Welcome to the Counseling Farmer Podcast. That's Farmer with the PH, where the mind and body come together. Welcome back to the Counseling Farmer, y'all. It's Counselor Jamie here. And Farmer Megan. And today we are so excited, guys. We have a special guest with us here. It is the radiant Miss Lauren Walls. That's right, people. Lauren Walls is with us today, and I cannot think about a better poster child for what Meg and I are trying to do here, because if you've been listening along, our big thing is how the mind and body are connected. And um, as we are moving forward in time, we are seeing this connection being made more and more of how oftentimes when people go through trauma or they go through um, complex trauma, they not only experience healing with the mental side of things, but their body also has to go through healing. And Lauren has personally experienced this. And Jamie, can you just kind of explain what you mean by trauma? Absolutely. So when we talk trauma, there's two kinds of trauma. Um, There's complex trauma. And if you think about an onion, it's got different layers. And so complex trauma would be repetitive, prolonged, cumulative. So you are in the trauma for a long amount of time or things keep happening. Um, It can um, happen in childhood. It can happen by a primary caregiver. So there's lots of different areas where their trauma can be repeated from and pulled from. And then the other trauma that I was talking about is PTSD. And that is short term. And it might just be a one specific incident like a horrific car accident. Or it might be um, something that you experienced one time. Right. And so, but to to be clear, complex trauma doesn't only happen in childhood, correct? Correct, right. That's one of the, with complex trauma, there's three pieces that they look at. And so one of it is if it happened during childhood, um, because a child cannot often advocate for themselves or they aren't allowed to get themselves out of that situation, um, that it becomes prolonged. And so the way that the physical body relates to this is that when a person is in trauma they are always in the fight or flight mechanism of your body and with that comes inflammation and so with chronic inflammation comes a whole slew of things such as um, chronic pain leaky gut leaky gut there you go you learned something (laughs) Um, autoimmune diseases it can lead to fibromyalgia it can lead to um, arthritis there's so many different things so that is why when a person undergoes trauma there is not only a mental aspect of it but also a physical aspect of it and so um, when we talk to Lauren a little bit later on she's gonna kind of bring us through that how she experienced that as well Exactly. And so some of you are, might be wondering, how do we know Lauren? Well, Lauren is was a gift. <laughs> <laughs> she was a gift that was brought um, to our family. Um, and I just love to just talk about Lauren just because we are all called to, um, we're all called to just be there for others. And for Lauren, it was very easy for her to become part of our family and she was like the missing piece. So I always joke that we have four daughters and she's the oldest one. And, um, I don't know, God's just given us a huge heart for her and Megan's gotten to know her 
being my adopted daughter. Definitely. She's more, <laughs> it's so funny because she's more like my sister, but she's more like totally. the big sister to my, to my daughters. And my husband's more like her father, who's like super protective of her and whatnot. So it's just a neat dynamic. But, um, I think it's such a good reminder for us to look at people in our churches and in our community who have went through really hard times in their past and maybe don't have that safe family to go to and um, that we can become like that family for them. And that can be inviting them over for dinner. That can look like um, just celebrating special days with them, holidays, inviting them over and just even doing things like you would do for your own children like last week just she's giving them a, a family to be a yeah, part of exactly yeah just like last week I was like I what's your favorite meal like just like I would ask that for one of my kids I wanted to do the same for Lauren so it's just little thoughtful things you can do here and there oftentimes we think it has to be these big, big yeah right, and it doesn't have to be and I think I mean, Lauren can speak into this, but I think people appreciate that. Even if it's something simple, they're just, they know that they're being thought of. Yes. Yes. And feeling loved and welcomed. Right. Yeah. And that is the voice of the Lauren Walls. The radiant <laughs> Lauren Walls. Yes. Radiant. So, so welcome to our podcast. Thank you. With that being said, Lauren, we are going to just kind of dive in and we'll let you share what you want to share just about your story and with that being said also if you have littles in the car while yeah. you're listening this may be a sensitive topic so just just to forewarn you mm -hmm. um i was born into a family with two mentally ill parents so my mom struggles with um bipolar and my dad is kind of been diagnosed with like a mix of things from schizophrenia bipolar disorder and multiple personalities um with that, there was just a lot of physical abuse, there was sexual abuse, there was domestic violence, and we lived in poverty. So it was just repeated trauma through different means. And so, Lauren, when you when you say all that, what age were you when you really came to terms that like, okay, this is not normal, this is not okay? Yeah, I think when you're stuck in it, that is your normal, and you don't know anything different. So the um, when I really started to realize that my life was very abnormal from the people, from my friends and my community, mm -hmm. was when I went to college when I was 18. And I was able to step outside and be like, wow, my, my friends still have parents, and they might not even be together, but they both are supportive or they both love them. They sit around for family dinners. They talk on the phone, just things that my family didn't. And it kind of helped me make that connection of this wasn't okay, mm -hmm. this wasn't normal, mm -hmm. this was not it was just trauma. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so when did you decide that like, okay, this isn't normal. I need to start tackling this. You just said you recognized them in college. So what did the healing journey look like once you recognized it? Once I recognized it, it was a long process of um, intensive therapy. So I went to therapy in college and that was kind of surface level therapy, but um, it was it, it terrified me to dive in deeper and really look at like the bigger issues. So I kept it very surface level. Um, once I graduated from college, I kind of hit a breaking point where I was admitted to a facility where I was fighting the effects of PTSD and depression. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of where that heavy lifting load kind of came in and I had to work through it all. Yeah. For, for somebody who's experiencing trauma, but they might not know the next step to take how did you even know to seek out counseling like did did somebody lead you in that direction or were you just like oh this is what I think I should do 
God was super gracious in giving me women in my life who really kind of stepped in and filled that role. And I think when you're in trauma, you are, it almost feels paralyzing to make decisions for yourself. You need somebody that's going to come in and be like, this is what you need to do and tell you and lead you in that direction versus you trying to figure it out on your own. Because had that been the case, I really don't think I would have been here. Well, Mm -hmm. and I think a big piece too is when trauma happens, it affects your frontal lobe. Mm -hmm. And when Mm -hmm. the, when your frontal lobe is affected that is a big piece of your brain that helps you with decision making decision making problem solving logistical things and so big decisions are way different look way different for someone in trauma versus somebody who hasn't experienced trauma even somebody exactly who who hasn't their frontal lobe isn't fully developed until they're like 26 years old so think of that repeated trauma that's happened to you mm-hmm. over time and you're still within that age range of not being fully developed and having the trauma mm-hmm. so I feel like it's nearly impossible to make decisions for yourself yeah. like yeah. Lauren was saying yeah. and I think also there's a part of just the whole trust issue when you have people that were supposed to be caring for you and when you have people that are supposed to be safe people harming you it's really hard to trust others and really entrust such a big story or pieces of your life when yeah right yeah absolutely I remember sitting across from my young life leader for a table for at well we sat there for four hours at Panera just so I could tell her the words I was sexually abused Mm -hmm. and it took me four hours to speak that because it was just I mean it was difficult yeah but and just the amazing the amazing courage that I've seen you have with just saying so many things out loud and and really rolling up your sleeves and tackling this trauma is just nothing explains you but god yes amen (laughs) amen but it really is i mean because that there's so many pieces to it you know you're talking about the therapy part you're talking about the young life part yeah um i know your church is a big community you were talking about these women that came alongside of you and and your faith and so it's not just one piece to it yeah it's really i mean it's just challenging and when you think about like I was wounded and um, by the people that were supposed to love and protect me, mm-hmm. and so how do you go from that to trusting people that you don't know Even when know. everybody you have known has caused immeasurable pain? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I can almost imagine just the daily, not even struggle, because but just the daily surrender that your past is not going to define your identity today, or not even going to define the kind of day you're going to have, but ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. You're human. You have feelings and yes. Right. (laughs) And And hard days and hard days. And this isn't a lack of spiritual maturity. No, it's just that this is a lot. Yeah. And so when thinking about that, what does it look like for self care for you? Well, that's one that I had to, um, really figure out. And for, um, the early part of my healing, I wanted to keep my, I wanted to keep myself busy from sun up to sundown because I didn't want to think about anything. And I didn't, uh, and being alone, which a lot of the time you're alone when you're self-caring, you know, you're reading a book. Like those things were really hard for me because what I would, what I would experience was just flashbacks from my past. And so um, the busier I kept myself, the better. But then what I learned is that it was tearing me down and mm-hmm. it was making things worse. It was mm-hmm. lack of sleep. Um, just, I, and I needed that time to process, but I was so uncomfortable sitting in the discomfort that it was easier to start run from it so now 
I had to really walk through that process. And really what I had to do was set a timer, like even taking a hot shower. I was like, okay, I'm going to set a timer for 10 minutes. And I'm going to stay in the shower and enjoy it for 10 minutes. Um, or I'm going to sit here and I'm going to read a book for 20 minutes. But setting that timer and setting those goals for myself. And I slowly started to learn like this is this is good and this is healthy. And, I, and my body needs this. My body needs rest. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know rest is a big thing for you. And another exciting thing that I've seen you really look at self-care is lots of times people look at like, oh, I have to grocery shop or oh, I have to cook. And one thing I've seen you do is that is a form of your self-care. You get excited to meal prep. You get excited yes. to cook. Yeah. And if you could just speak a little on why that's exciting for you. Well, growing up, a lot of times we didn't even have a working stove, a working microwave. So a lot of our meals were like, I mean, just peanut butter and sugar sandwiches. I mean, there is no nutritional value in a peanut butter and sugar sandwich with moldy bread. So um, really starting to learn and understand that process and enjoying that and enjoying good food and seeing how my body responded to that versus peanut butter and sugar. You know, it was really just amazing. And yeah. then you just start craving that more and more. Yeah. The, the good food. The right? good, not, not, the, not the peanut butter and sugar. Yeah. I never want that. Yeah. Or the moldy bread. Or the moldy bread. <laughs> if you thought she said multigrain, no. 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 Moldy. It, it was moldy. moldy. <laughs> and can, can you kind of speak into how you notice some physical manifestations of your trauma? Yes. Yeah, so I was having a lot of problems with my gut. Um, that was a, a huge one. And it was so much discomfort that I couldn't really figure out. Um, and I just, I had no idea. And it was something that I probably had all along. But once I went through healing, I was able to identify that, okay, this doesn't feel right. And something feels wrong. Mm -hmm. um, so that was one. I was having horrendous lower back pain. Um, and yeah, just those were different ways that I could tell right. that my body was hurting. Mm -hmm. so. And when you went to the doctor, what was the plan that they put you on? Um, because I think for so long you were so focused on getting free just from... Emotionally. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so once you were free emotionally and had worked through that, what was the next step with the doctor, the actual physical doctor? So I went through my emotional healing. And after that, all of a sudden it was like, oh my goodness, I have all these physical problems. And it was crazy to me that um, I had never really truly experienced these or not that I hadn't paid attention and I hadn't mm -hmm. noticed them and I hadn't observed them because I was so consumed right. by my emotional pain. So they were always there. Yeah. But you yeah. were so distracted with the emotional side to it. Right. That I couldn't it almost focus. felt normal or you didn't even realize it was yeah, there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so once I started finding freedom, um, that's when I started really recognizing all of those physical manifestations of just a lack of nutritional value in my childhood and really wanted to make that shift because I had low energy. That was another one. Headaches, just things that really, I mean, overall, I, a doctor would tell me I was healthy, but, right. you know. Yeah. And it makes me think of First uh, Thessalonians 5.23, and it says, may your spirit, soul, and body be well. And if you think about it, it is all really connected. Yeah. And I think when you look at how God calls us to be a steward of ourselves, he wants us to be a good steward of our story. Yes. Meaning, what does that look like? And I think, Lauren, you have done a beautiful job of being a good steward of your story, meaning you have went and worked through the past and you are not allowing the enemy to hold you captive there. Yes. And so, and after you have worked through, had worked through that, then you became a good steward of your body because you were aware and in tune to like, wow, my back hurts or wow, when I eat this, my stomach hurts. Yes. And so 
I just think because you've been a good steward of your story and your body, your soul, I can only imagine you sleep so soundly. <laughs> I mean, I sleep through the night. It is a miracle. You know, you think those things would never happen. And even just changing my diet, the difference um, in my sleep was, I mean, probably in, in my brain needs that. My, yeah. I mean, you know, healing from trauma, you need that. Right. So it really was right. incredible to see the connection. Right. And just mm-hmm. how God has designed our bodies that way. Yes. And how God had really just put everything in your path for you to be freed up the way you are now because here's a cool part of Lauren's story is she is a teacher yes and (laughs) that requires an immense amount of just being present for your students your energy and you you got to show up you got to be in the present yes with that being said um you are dealing with kids who are living your story yeah exactly yeah and that takes a whole nother emotional capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one of the really cool things that Lauren does in her classroom, she is so in tune with those kids emotionally. Um, but also on the nutrient side, do you want to share a little bit about what you've done? Um, you've partnered with people in your church. Yeah. So I've partnered with people in my church, kind of realizing the importance of the nutritional value, especially to meet their educational needs. A kid can't learn if they're hungry. Um, so I have, um, a couple that has sponsored my kids and gets them nutritional snacks every week, something to provide them with protein and keep their bellies full and to see their academic gains because of that is remarkable. But then also to think back to mine and be like, Oh my gosh, how did I learn? You know, I was hungry all the time. Uh So, um, that, and then over Christmas break, you know, people, um, donated bread and peanut butter and jelly just so they had something to be able to eat. Yeah. So, so for people listening, what would you say just an awareness because we've we've been talking about the trauma and we've you know I always many of us who know you think how did little Lauren get overlooked how did little Lauren Mm. like yeah right how did this go on her entire life till she left for college and so what are things that we can do um just to raise awareness about this and ways that we can provide in our communities to help kids that might be living in trauma yeah that's a good question that one's uh that one can be tough but I think just educating yourself on what are the signs of abuse or what are the signs of neglect um for example I mean I feel like I'm a pro at identifying these kids in my classroom now but um saying my tummy hurts you know a lot of the times it's not that they're hungry it might be that they're hungry but they also have so much anxiety um watching their behavior in the morning when they get to school being cheerful and happy to right before going home acting out throwing things mm-hmm. like that's another sign they're anxious to go home um i had lice growing up so it's like i don't i don't know how people miss that one but and, and i learned so many natural <laughs> remedies from yes tell mayonnaise them. mayonnaise with um um an h-e-b or a target bag put it on your head and sleep on it it'll suffocate them <laughs> so so that yeah that's one way and to yeah. prevent what do you do as a teacher for okay you? so another way to prevent is is oils around your head uh, apparently lice i mean and i don't know i'm not a doctor but i've just heard this through the grapevine because it takes forever for lice to get out of curly hair to put oils around this the um, like your temples because lice don't cross that barrier right. something about the is smell. it tea tree oil or what tea you... tree oil peppermint i mean i really use it all okay. i like coat myself in it every okay. morning so <laughs> you know if you're looking for a natural lice remedy <laughs> there, there it is there it is people yes yes um i know another one i notice is um i have girls in my classroom that have to go to the bathroom 
all the time. Mm. And that to me always kind of pulls up a red flag. Yeah. That something might not be quite right, especially when it's in the presence of an adult, when you notice that that's when they feel the need to go yeah. to the bathroom, a fear response. Yes. So, and, and, you know, prior to entering the counseling aspect, I was in the school as well. And I think another thing is kids that are very secretive. Mm-hmm. or um, withdrawn it, withdrawn, or if there is a counselor the parents don't give them permission to see the counselor so when I was a school counselor there would be a lot of kids who needed to come see me but the parents would not give them a permission slip and they wouldn't allow that yeah. and so it's not to say that you know that that automatically is a red flag but sometimes it's like a yellow proceed with yeah, caution right. continue to monitor signs and symptoms um, and you know I was stealing food that's yeah. another big one is I wasn't this awful kid, but I was crying out in these ways and I was missed. And I, and I like that you're saying that because oftentimes we see the behavior yes, and we don't see the heart behind it and we yeah. don't see what's going on. Right. right and right, so right. if we just looked at Lauren, you were the little rebel child. I was a rebel child that was biting kids in class and drawing inappropriate body parts on my friend's chairs. Yeah. You know, like yeah. there was some signs there. <laughs> right. And so with that being said, it really is. Sometimes it's right in front of our faces. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's awareness. And like Lauren has a huge, huge, um, just support system within her church. Yeah. And they have really taken on a lot of her students with coats, with snacks, like we are talking about, just even gift cards, Lauren, whatever you need for your room, like feel free to, you know, buy supplies with this or books or whatever you need. Right. So if you're not in the schools and you're not able to like directly see those things, Mm -hmm. um, it's cool if you're within a church and you know that there are teachers with high need students. Absolutely. What about, how would you speak into girls or boys, anyone really, who's like experienced that trauma, but they don't have that support system. Like how can they find that support system? My biggest means of finding that support system was through my church, um, through my church. I mean, if they're in the school system, I know there are counselors available. If they're in college, I know there's a counseling center available. So even starting there at that point, I think would be huge. Um, and then, you know, trying to find that support through a local church. Yeah. And I think, too, we are talking about the little kid part of it, but we also have to remember the growing Lauren. Yeah. And I met Lauren when she had just started her healing, but not only did little Lauren need someone, but growing Lauren needed someone. And I think that that's another way is if you see people within your church that almost seem chaotic, um, that is very common with unhealed trauma. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I was a broken, hot mess when I met you, and Jamie loved me anyway. But that is, I mean, just it's so hard to navigate everyday life when you are a survivor of undealt trauma. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you think is helpful when, when you first started your healing, what, what did you need? Like, so if somebody is in their church or at their workplace or they, they meet a Lauren and they're just like, I don't know, there's something, you know, this how person's... How do I love on yeah, them? Yeah, how do yeah. I love them? Um, well, Jamie did such an awesome job with this of just welcoming me, welcoming, welcoming me into her family and just loving me and meeting where, where I was. She didn't try and fix me. She just wanted to hear what I had to say. She just wanted to love me, feed me. That was a big <laughs> one, like family dinners. That's like so healing and so huge. Um, and, and I really think that there is no like magic formula for this but like however you feel called to love them and just by welcoming them in a lot of 
people that come from families like mine, just the beauty and the safety of being in somebody's home is incredible. Yeah. That's, and healing. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, that a lot of people feel uncomfortable or scared or fearful. Or don't know what to say. Or don't know what to say. Yeah. So they say nothing. Yes. And this isn't meaning it's, like, ill-intended, but when we don't know what to do we often don't say anything mm-hmm. or we say things that maybe aren't helpful right. or things that maybe add shame because when you're working with somebody with trauma there is an immense amount of shame and guilt yes and so i think sometimes we can say well-meaning things but they take that person back to shame which puts the guard up i can't trust you you're right. not safe right right yeah, yeah. which is yes and, and I, I think that we don't have to know exactly what to say. And I think you just just love them where they are. Just mm-hmm. love them. And if you don't know what to say, it is okay to say, you know what, I don't know what to say and I don't mm-hmm. know how to help you, but how can I love you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or just like, here, here's a plate of cookies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> here's and then, your favorite and then, enchiladas. And then Megan would be like, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Here, <laughs> here's some here's kombucha. Here's a basket of fruit. <laughs> yes. And or here's some a, paleo cookies yeah. or something. And some with kombucha. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. Um, but another thing that we have talked, um, Megan and I, is on self-regulation. And so a big thing with people who have been through trauma or healing from trauma, they are, like Megan earlier was saying, the fight or flight. Yes, you're always in fight or flight. Right. So your your system is always on full speed ahead, 100% yes. go. Right. Yes. And then there's also the self-regulation piece where your emotions are so on high. How do we get down to like feeling safe and calm? And so um, Lauren, just if you would just kind of share how you self-regulated before you found the healthy ways before I found the healthy ways yeah great okay (laughs) so um, people need to know yes you know what and they serve their purpose so um cutting was a really big way that I learned to self-regulate and I think what what cutting did for me was it allowed me to localize my pain so I had so much pain inside of me and that was the only way that I knew how to release it that felt safe Mm -hmm. um releasing it to my family obviously did not feel safe and as a child I didn't have that support system Mm -hmm. my family was supposed to be my support system and they weren't there right um and one of the ways I remember Lauren sharing with me that as a kid she was self-regulating was pulling out her hair oh yes 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 pulling out my hair was another one um and um scratching on the wall as I was trying to fall asleep was another one just to kind of you know, it, it, I don't know. It just did something. Yeah. Maybe it was just mm-hmm. the texture and the sound or something. Maybe so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't... Okay. So you said cutting, you said yes. eating disorder. Oh, I had an eating disorder. That was another way. And so I was always trying to fill my, um, what I like to call my God shaped hole, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, with something that would satisfy and just bring me some, um, relief from the pain that I was experiencing. So it went from cutting and then, um, suicide attempts and eating disorders and pornography and just the whole, I mean, just the whole mix of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now when you get stressed, what does that replacement look like? Lots of different ways I have um, learned to cope with my stress. 
exercise is a great way to really stress for me. Um, horseback riding is another one. Of course, being in the word is one. And But sometimes, that's to be honest, that's not always the easiest. That's not right. the one that I'm like, let me sit down and be in the word. Yeah. When I'm on that emotional high, it's like I need something to physically release that. Yeah. And so learning how to do, you know, those different things such as exercise or even reaching out to a friend to vocalize my pain is yeah helpful well and one thing that I love that you do to self-care is your writing yes I love to write it's always been healing for me ever since I was a small child so. yes so if you're listening and you're like I relate to this or I've never heard anyone talk like this or I want to know more look her up on Instagram or she you yes, blog I do blog I just started a blog I have a couple of old posts from college um, that Lauren had no idea what she was talking about. <laughs> she tried. Um, but I did just start a blog. And yes, I do um, post some of my healing journey on Instagram as well. Yeah. And so. where can people find you on Instagram? Oh, I don't even know. My name is Lauren Walls. So <laughs> find the counseling farmer on it and then find me. Yeah, we'll tag. We'll yeah. Tag. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And my blog will be linked on there as well. Yes. Well, Lauren, I just appreciate your vulnerability because you talked about some really hard stuff that often people don't share because they have learned that it's just too hurtful to talk about or they're living with the shame or the guilt or they don't even know how to verbalize it. And so you offer such a beautiful picture of hope and you really um, just point others to Christ because, I mean... I don't know. Whenever we do podcasts, I feel like we're kind of like all over the place. But if you got anything from this, like nothing explains Lauren's story but God, because you shared a lot about your upbringing and just um, how you were self-coping with all of this and just your healing process and like, whoa, this is a lot. And yeah. for you to just be sitting here and being able to share it with such confidence and with just such peace. And, um, you know, these are all big influences of your life, but it's so clear that they're not authoritative. Yes. Yeah. And untold stories don't heal. And that's something that I have lived by is that it feels so painful to take that leap of faith and start diving into yeah. your trauma, but it is so worth it. Yeah. And working with clients, a big thing that I always share with them is just when you're going through it, you don't have a voice. Yes. And so little Lauren didn't have a voice. She wasn't able to advocate for herself as any little child really isn't. Right. Um, but now you do have a voice and you're choosing to use it and you're glorifying God through it. And, you know, we call it your story. And when Laura and I yeah. talk ultimately, <laughs> like it is his story Yes. and, is. and you are such a good steward of your story mm -hmm. and even your health. I mean, just, you know, this has been a huge financial yeah. strain as well just between therapy and how many physic or how many chiropractor appointments have you had 40 chiropractic appointments <laughs> to work on my spine just and I you know even that like the trauma of just like how you carry your trauma in your body Holding hunched forward you know and that yeah. it shows in my spine from my head all the way down to my back um 40 chiropractic I mean I think probably $25,000 in counseling yeah. Like who's counting? Who's, who's counting? counting? <laughs> but I think, too, it's so good that your story validates the fact that the mind and the body do work together. Absolutely. And when one is injured, the other feels it. Yes. Or vice versa. Yep. And that it is so crucial to have 
whole body healing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Vital. It is so important. And I would have never made that connection, you know, a couple of years ago, but now walking through it, I, I see it and I feel it. That's the biggest thing is I feel it. And I'm like, I want everybody to know this freedom. That is what we preach here. I'm always telling Jamie (laughs) that, you know, once you start eating a certain way, or once you start Mm -hmm. taking care of your body a certain way, you will notice when you don't. Yes. Yes. And you will feel it in your like in your gut, you'll know, like, yeah. man, I'm not taking care of myself and the like right way. And like you said, your your palate changes and you start craving mm-hmm. things. Healthy more. food. Yeah. Yes. Like, I want a green smoothie full of spinach. <laughs> yes. Like, Lauren would not have said that a couple years ago, you right. know? <laughs> and that's because your body knows the nutrients that it needs. It needs and now yeah. that you've fed it, it's like, oh, give me more right. of that. Yes. But sometimes she does say, give me more Chick-fil-A. Oh, and that's Chick-fil-A totally and okay. Girl Scout cookies, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We live by the 80-20 rule. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's yeah, a good role. That's a good I like role. that. So <laughs> anyways, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us and just just your vulnerability and Yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story and we really hope that um if there's anybody out there listening that they they can just um gain wisdom from Lauren's story and know that they're not alone. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um and one thing too, Lauren, what is your favorite scripture that you love? Oh, currently my favorite scripture. Well, I have a couple, but <laughs> um, um, as of late, the Lord has really given me the scripture over and over again. And it talks about how um, those who look to the Lord are radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. Oh. And I love that because I think the biggest thing that I had to learn is that I am worth it. I'm worth it enough to take care of my body. I'm worth it enough to seek healing. Yeah. Um, and the Lord sees me as radiant. Even right. when I can't see myself that way, he sees me that way. Yeah. And he is ultimately, he's the ultimate healer, but it's so cool to see the people that he uses in that healing and how he used them. Yes. It takes a village. It takes a village. It takes a village. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Counseling Farmer. The information we are providing is not to replace that of a medical doctor. If you need help, seek out a licensed professional in your area or visit the nearest emergency room. If you are experiencing a life-threatening emergency, dial 911.